Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. We're getting closer to game day, right? I mean, we are within 90 days of actual game day. The Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets kicking things off Monday night, September 11th at MetLife Stadium at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. Welcome into another edition of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. How about that open, right? First time you've used that. Unfortunately, it's being used for the first time without my co-host, Matt Bove. Sal Capaccio here. Matt, unable to join me here tonight. Matt is on paternity leave right now. He also has some other things going on. So today, it's just me and a couple of very close friends that you're very familiar with. You've heard them on our platforms on WGR and across other podcasts. They have their own podcasts. I'll let you let them tell you all about it, but it's all about the Bills, obviously right here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo with Matt Perino and John Scott, who I welcome in right now, not only to audio, but video as well. Good to see you guys. What's up, man? It's good to see you too, my friend. I've seen a lot of John Scott tonight. We just came from the softball field a yeah. couple hours ago. Big dubs, as Jordan Poyer likes to say, right? Big dubs indeed. I finally got my first hit of the season. Second game of the year. First one was rough. Maybe it's the Perino vibes. Maybe he's just going to have to <laughs> slide into the resurgence. Of the season. Like, what do you mean? Like, you, you, you've been flying out, grounding out. Like, what's the deal? So I played one game this season because scheduling between the PGA Championship and the Josh Allen Madden cover and some other things has not allowed me to make it as regularly as I do. So the one game I played, I was 0 for 2 with a sacrifice fly, and timing was off. Timing was off. But I think Mr. Perino could could really back me up and say timing was pretty on this evening. <laughs> yeah, he had – he hit. I was telling Sal before you got on, he hit one that I think is still going. You know, most <laughs> softball right. fields don't have a fence. A little dinger. Get things going. It's big time. And this – Sal, I don't know if you yeah. mentioned this. This was coming – as some kids on bicycles driving past the field were chirping me while I was at the plate saying, strike one, strike wow. two. Yeah. And then wow. I, you had the peanut gallery going after you. They were not there as I crossed home plate, you know, <laughs> that's how it goes. Did you, did you jog home or did you have to sprint home? I mean, there's no fences. And so I, I would say I was running now bystanders may say I was jogging. Cause I'm, while I look athletic, I run a lot slower than I probably should. Um, so I was huffing it. It might not have looked fast, but, you know, I did what I did. 
John is, of course, from Spectrum News One in Buffalo, covers the Buffalo Bills, and Matt Perino, Syracuse.com, and the Shout Podcast. John has his own podcast as well. I don't want to get the name wrong. Is it you Buffalo tell- End Zone Podcast? Thank you, Buffalo End Zone Podcast. So I'll let them tell you all about them because we'll give them some love here for them joining me here on the show. And I got to tell you, it all ties in because I would have loved to play with you. John actually, um, asked me if I could play softball tonight as we record this, by the way, this is a Thursday night. We're recording this. And John said, you know, can you play? We need a couple of players. And he said, Perino's playing. I really wanted to play. I've been playing softball this year and uh, had a, had a bomb myself last week. I'm feeling really good about myself, but actually I was at a pre-commitment. I went down to the bandits championship parade and celebration party in the plaza, followed by a parade at the Bison's game. Literally the procession went from key bank center a couple blocks to Salem field where it was lacrosse night to celebrate the championship. And I saw your wife, John, Heather Prusak with channel four. She was covering it for channel four down there. So while she's working, you're out there playing softball, but we're out there having a good time trying to, you know, uh, be a part of the parade. It was really cool, but it was a great time. And by the way, Heather is a very big bandits fan as well. Yeah, she is. She had season tickets growing up here as a Buffalo native. We went to a game, ironically enough. Whoops, just knocked my microphone off. Ironically enough, we went to a game against the Colorado Mammoth earlier in the regular season, and they lost. Uh, And that was the first Bandits game I had attended as a fan. I'd gone to plenty of them just to grab some highlights and whatnot. The atmosphere is unbelievable. They've been so good for so long. And it, as an outsider, which is different from you guys, as an outsider, I came in here and the first time I was told, hey, go, go to a Bandits game. I'm like, who the hell cares about indoor lacrosse? And then I roll in there. There's 12,000. Everyone's in red or orange and black. They're all chanting the same thing. The music's banging. And I'm like, this is awesome. And so, I, I you know, I, I'm not like a Bandits fan fan, but I certainly – understand the entertainment value of it and the team's super good dane smith is incredible they're led by arguably the greatest indoor lacrosse player of all time by john tavares and to see them rework the script from a year ago where they won the first game lost the second game and then lost the third game against colorado to see them really dominate game three of the finals and grab that championship super cool super happy for them uh and a great moment for buffalo because again you, you can't act like the city that is so starved of championships and not recognize one, even if it's not of the two main professional teams like the Sabres and the Bills. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's great. And um, I'm wearing my championship cap. It's actually not mine, guys. It's my son's. I bought it for Max, which is why my son, he is an autograph hound. And now look, at even though I do what I do for a living, I don't help him. He goes and gets these autographs and he got, look at that. I'm going to show you on the video. Look at this. He got this thing completely Ooh. covered on the rim. Dane Smith is on here. He's like, we're over here somewhere, right? He got this thing covered. But I said, Max, I'm going to borrow this cap to wear to celebrate a Buffalo championship. And as we were walking out of the Bisons game, by the way, at the Bisons game, it was awesome. They had a lot of lacrosse stuff going on. Got a picture with the championship trophy. Max did. We both did together. Super cool. But while we were walking out, a bunch of the Bisons were getting in their big, long bus limo or whatever. Not Bisons. The Bandits getting in their big, long bus limo. And there's Johnny T, John Tavares. And I'm like, Max, Max, he's not on your cap. So it went up to him. Max is like, coach, can you sign my cap? John Tavares signed the cap as well. So we got nice. everybody on there. Um, Matt, you have you grew up in Buffalo. Like me, you left for a while to work in other markets. You were in Las Vegas. Is this the first time you've seen a championship parade? Because I can't remember Vegas winning a title in anything 
Sam, really, they didn't have any pro sports to do that, right? No, they were close with the expansion year for the Golden Knights. Uh, did they lose in the finals, right, that first year? Yes, that's right. Um, so that was that was cool to actually witness. Like, the hysteria around that team. Like, people always talk about Vegas and, like, the strip and, and not understanding, like, the community that's in the suburbs. Like, that city embraced that team, as I'm sure everybody saw, like, in these finals, too. I mean, it hasn't gone away. Um, but, yeah, I, lacrosse is funny because I've actually never been – to a lacrosse game in my life, like a bandits wow. game. I grew up here. I just bandwidth, right? Like it just, I, I go to occasional Sabres game that that's what kind of fits in is that third or really like fourth sport for me. It's like basketball, football, and now UFC over the last 10 years uh, are above all that. So I've actually never seen a game. So I think I want to take Luke next year. He's, he started to ask a little bit about it. Uh, and obviously Max is a big fan. So maybe we'll go, uh, four of us. We'll go check. Well, out yeah, we definitely should. And it is a great time. It really is. As John said, the entertainment value, and it's amazing. The energy in the arena is unmatched. And I've been to hockey games in other places and I've been to baseball and football games in other places. There's nothing like the energy at a lacrosse game. The music is always playing as they're going up and down the, uh, PA announcer who, by the way, is Scott Swenson's brother, Scott Swenson of yes. Channel 4 in Buffalo. His brother, actually, Chris, is the PA announcer. He's been there from the inception. He's experienced all these championships. How cool is it for him to be a part of this as well? But the energy is unmatched. It's totally cool. And guess what, guys? Tonight, as you'd imagine, the parade energy was unmatched. It was awesome. And it was your typical championship parade, which is you had the players on top of fire trucks and on top of other kinds of vehicles, and they were drinking a lot and they were kissing the trophy and they were shirtless and people were walking with the parade. It was a real championship in the city of Buffalo. I mean, I just think it was so cool, John, to see something like that. And it really, really made me think of what it might be like someday to have one of the other teams, the Bills or the Sabres, go through something like this. And it's super cool that they got this moment to themselves. I, I heard you reference on the morning show earlier today how Josh Reed went to the Cavs yes. championship parade in 2016. And prior to the Cavs winning, the, the Lake Erie Monsters won the Calder Cup. Oh, and wow. They ultimately joined them. So it was kind of cool that obviously everyone was there, over a million people for the Cavs, but the Lake Erie Monsters were inserted into the into the parade as well to get their due. And Cleveland, much like Buffalo, prior to 2016, they were in a, an incredible drought. They didn't know what winning championships was all about. So I'm glad that the Lake Erie Monsters were incorporated. And, and in this, I'm glad that, the bandits were able to get their due on their own because obviously nobody else has won anything. And, and it's good because I do think of them as the number three sporting experience, sporting team in this market. And as we've already articulated, it's not just some afterthought that arena, especially when the Sabres were bad, they were getting a heck of a lot more people for bandits games than they were for Sabres games. The energy even now, except for, you know, maybe this, this season is different. It's higher. It's more intense. It's more engaged in the entire experience in the game for bandits than it has been for Sabres beyond this season, probably for the five, six, seven plus years before that. So they have been so successful. It is a community and a city that is a lacrosse city. Yep. There was high school scene. There were a lot of very talented kids that then go on to the collegiate level and there were some kids that then 
also play in the NLL. They play in the PLL and, and other things. So it is a lacrosse town. They embrace it. And the fact that they win a championship and were able to be embraced so greatly by this city is awesome. And to your point, I think it's like the ultimate appetizer to wet the beak for everyone that's already understood and hypothesized what it would be like if the Bills or Sabres won. And then this just takes it a whole never another level because you're actually there. You see this small little path for a parade and you're like, my God, what if this just went down Delaware for like five, six miles? What if this did this? What if this was in February? What would it be like? I, I think again, ultimate appetizer to really show people and add to the craving that they already have to experience themselves for one of their one or two main loves. Now that you have kids, of course, immersed into the Buffalo sports scene as well, Matt, do you ever think about that? Like what it would be like if it would be the bills or Sabres in that situation? It would be cool. I don't think my son is, he's not there yet. Like, with the like just the fandom like he's he loves playing he loves the bills he watches the games um he's really starting to get into base i started letting him play mlb the show yeah so he's yeah. now starting to know who the players are and yep. stuff like that he's got all the baseball cards and so that's kind of like unlocking it a little bit but i still don't know if he's he's quite there if you if he'd experience it that way but let me ask you guys this you said a million people that actually like I think growing up here, I've never paid attention to like parades. So I didn't even have the scope of how many people would that that would be attending it for the bills to win a Super Bowl. Like think about the onslaught of the city traveling wise of people out of town internationally trying to get back to Buffalo for that moment. I mean, it will be a week where this place just shuts down. I think it's a good point, Matt. It wouldn't be a day parade. It'd be a week celebration. Yeah. I mean, it would be like you'd have to have over multiple days and people would be just here and saying, I'm in town for how long and what that would look like. And look, we know that this team has come close, the Buffalo Bills. And they have high aspirations. They have high expectations the last few years. And they will again in 2023. And we're going to talk about that. Everything that happened at minicamp and step on things. But before we do, since I have you here, Matt, about and we talked about Vegas a little bit, all this stuff that's going on with the Oakland A's. Now you went, you were in Vegas when they had no professional teams. Mm -hmm. Now they're going, um, and, and then you saw the, and then you saw the NHL come there. Now you also see the NFL go there and now baseball is going to go there. It's a big time market. What do you think about all of a sudden just going from zero to 60 with these professional teams in Las Vegas? That's a lot. And like, to me, the golden Knights, by the way, like they're that. probably going to get an NBA team at some point. Right. And like the Golden Knights are like the golden child, not just because of the title, but because of the way they were the first pro sports franchise. Like they're always going to be like kind of a hockey town in a lot of ways. It's why I don't, I don't even think at times the Raiders have popped the way that I think that they thought they were going to. It's not a huge city. So it's like there's a lot of like traffic there because of what's happening on the strip. But like to support all those teams in a lot of ways, like suburban L or Las Vegas is a lot like Buffalo. Like it's not huge numbers wise. So um, I'll be interested to see, like, I don't know, like where a baseball team slots in. They got a, a minor league baseball team there. And I, my cousin actually played for the A's uh, for a few seasons, um, played for the Padres. And when he was down in AAA, he came to Vegas to play. So I went to a game and man, I, I, I was sitting in like the 300s. 
I walked right down to the front because it was, there's nobody there. Right. Um, and then the other thing you've experienced there is even though it's not a championship from a team, you've been a part of championship fights. You used to cover mm. UFC. What's it like to cover a championship when you're that up close and personal to it? Oh, man. That's people ask me all the time about like, what's your, what do you miss the most? Or like, if you could go back to it, like, would you, because covering the bills for this fan base, it's so unique. Like no sports reporter really gets to experience what we do on this beat. Like maybe the, the Packers, like the Yankees, like those big time, like franchises that have this like ferocious, voracious fan base. Like, so but what I will say that I miss more than anything is like, there's nothing like being cage side and the, like the rumbling anticipation for like when they make the walk and then they get in there and they just start beating the absolute crap out of each other. I mean, and being up close to it, like you, like when you see a guy like get his, like his bell rung with a high head kick, like I've seen it not only in the UFC, but like I used to cover fights at rainbow rink in North Tonawanda when, it wasn't even legalized here uh, before I even got the UFC kick. And I saw some brutal moments in those fights. Cause you got like different levels of like experience and guys are just in there with beasts that they should not be in there with. So like, I don't know that, that to me is like different than any other sport just because of just the, uh, if you're not ready for it, like if you go to a UFC fight and you're sitting in the first row and, and you watch a fight, like I've had really tough, like family members that I got tickets for over the years, go to the fights. I'm like, Oh crap. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> John, did you ever go back for an Ohio state parade? I did not. I was at the 2007 national championship game against Florida. Sal, you probably were living in Florida at that it point was. in time. Yes. And, uh, wait, wait, you're talking about which one basketball or football. They played this both I saw in the same right? year. Yeah. It was the football one. Yeah. It was so technically January, 2007, 2006 season, mm-hmm. urban Myers first national championship. Uh, you can see me if you go back. The very first play of the game was a kick return by Ted Ginn okay. for Ohio State. He gets tackled and sprains his ankle. But I was, my buddy and I were literally next to the Florida band. So we are surrounded by Florida fans and we're both in Ohio State jerseys. And if you go back and watch the broadcast, that it pans and zooms out as he crosses the goal line. You see two guys in Ohio State jerseys jumping up and down in the aisle. And it's me and my buddy. That's awesome. Um, so I'm and gonna I have would, to go back and do that now. And so you look at it. And one real quick thing: always a Buffalo connection. You mentioned that AAA team in Las Vegas. Yep. Fran Reardon is the manager. He's a Canisius High School graduate. He's wow. from Buffalo, um, and his family runs and owns a company right in downtown, right in the heart of downtown, called the Copy Store. And I actually did a story with him like six, seven years ago. He was the double A manager in the A's organization. And unlike many minor league managers, when he's in the off season, he's the owner and like runs with his brother, Mm. a (laughs) copy store in the middle of downtown Buffalo, rather than like doing baseball stuff. (laughs) So um, he has, you know, when the minor league season ends, sometimes staffers will go work with the major league team. So yep. he spent multiple Septembers uh, on the bench of the Oakland athletics here. And so he's been, he's been trending in the, in the right direction over the past five plus years and, and potentially Fran Reardon again, Canisius high school graduate. You'll probably see him at some point uh, as a major league baseball coach. That's awesome. Great story. 
that's grinding, man. That's really grinding, uh, doing all that that you have to do to kind of stay afloat when you're in those sports. You're not getting paid as much money as the people that, uh, that played at the highest of levels. Speaking of those, the Buffalo Bills, obviously, and Stefan Diggs making a lot of money, but also making a lot of noise in his own way at mandatory minicamp. We've gone 20 minutes here, but championships trump mandatory minicamp. That's why, guys. So let's talk about what went down at OBD this week. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Sal Capaccio. No Matt Bove tonight, but I do have Matt Perino and John Scott with me here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. All right, guys, so I think maybe we went into the week with wonderment. We got into the week with maybe frustration, if you're thinking from a fan's point of view, even media, not knowing what's going on. But I think ultimately maybe even more confusion than anything else. I don't know if those are the words that you'd like to put on it, but John, I'll start with you. I felt like I was more confused about everything on Tuesday when we left and even on Monday, I'm sorry, on Wednesday when we left and even on Tuesday when we started and we knew Stefan Diggs wasn't there and heard from Sean McDermott. Just nothing adds up, right? Regardless of how many people talk and quote unquote, try to clarify things, just it, it doesn't add up. And I recorded my podcast earlier today. And, and as we record this here, as the dust has settled, I, I it's allowed downtime to try to surmise and piece together everything that we've heard from all different people and, and allowed the situation to kind of unfold over three days. And I still have just, the root of it is what could possibly be stuck in Stefan Diggs craw so deep and so long that this would still be such a big issue that seemingly once the parties all got together amplified boiled over even more and then somehow it's like you turn the burner off and a, through the perspective of Sean McDermott and all of a sudden everything is good i just it, it, it's it's peculiar that's probably not the word not the right word it just it just doesn't all add up to me it's a it's a math formula that you see all these numbers, then you see the answer at the end. And I'm like, I could look at this for the next five weeks before training camp and still not understand how all of this adds up to the end solution here. And that's why, contrary to what Sean McDermott tried to do, I think, on Wednesday, this is still going to be a talking point as we roll into St. John Fisher College or university, excuse me. Partly because we haven't heard from 
Stefan Diggs yet? Did it add up to you in any way, Matt? This is the Buffalo Bills way. I mean, this is what they do. They try to, like, to their detriment, just cover up everything. The key to freedom is truth. And I think that, like, they talk about all these healthy, honest conversations, but they don't want to be honest, any of them, on, on the outside of it all. And I get it. Like, you don't owe an explanation to anybody like Stefan Diggs doesn't owe one. Sean McDermott doesn't owe one, but we saw what happened in the, in the aftermath of 13 seconds, right? Like they just were going to fall. Whoever was in wrong in that moment, they handled it behind closed doors and said, we are not going to talk about it. And it made it more of a story moving forward because it, it like permeates and everybody on social media talks about it. And like Sean McDermott comes out and says, I'm very concerned about Diggs not being here, right? He was kind of led into that question or that answer, whatever. But he then goes on to say, I don't want to get any more into it. So now you've created like all of these extra questions from people that it's going to go off in a million different directions. The Bills are a Super Bowl contender. Every single thing they do makes news. This shouldn't be a revelation to them at this point. And so for him to come out a day later and you, you mentioned it, John, like we've, we've gotten more time to think about it. That to me has been the most annoying part of it is like, I see a lot of stuff out there that, you know, isn't accurate and isn't, um, fair. I think that was the word that he used. How, how can you be criticizing fairness when it wasn't really fair of you to kind of open up that door and then slam it and not even give all the details. And this is what actually ended up happening was Stefan Diggs's people exploded, started calling all their people and all this, the rest of the story started coming out and Sean McDermott had to come out the next day. He wasn't scheduled to speak, but he had to come fix the PR nightmare that he caused. Um, and I just, you would think after 13 seconds, this regime that I've been very complimentary of, of would have learned more from it's not always healthy and good and right to keep it all indoors. And it's also, they've, they created this as well because Stefan, I, I heard this question on a national show, not to keep going here, but about, was there any signs of this last year? And there was Stefan Diggs didn't do any media the second half of the season, right? Like that's part of the problem, I think. And you don't have to force him to talk, but everybody else is talking. Von Miller's talking. Josh Allen's talking. Um, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, go down the list. And I guess Von Miller's right. There's just different rules for different players, but keeping it all in house all the time, it leads to these problems. Is it possible though, that Sean McDermott um, actually thought he didn't excuse Stefan Diggs and Stefan Diggs thought he was excused. And therefore when it got to the point of Stefan Diggs, people getting upset because Sean said what he said, then Sean had wanted to go back and kind of quell the water, so to speak. Mm. And what I mean by that is I've played this scenario out in my head. I don't know what happened. I really don't. But I keep wondering, how did how did this all happen? And one scenario I can imagine is they had this argument. They had this meeting. Excuse me. It got to a point where Sean said, we all felt it was better to get some space and take a break. Well, what does that mean? Right. It means it's, right. it's getting to a point where you got to, you know, kind of get away from each other. Is it possible? And he basically told Stefan Diggs, all right, uh, let's, we're done talking here. We need, we need to take a break. Uh, you know, I go get out of here, go take a break. 
And maybe Stefan Diggs took that as he's excusing him from practice, but Sean just meant you need to go to practice. Like that's the only thing I can think of because once we found out he was there, there was an opportunity to say he was excused, but no one said he was excused until it became a problem from Stefan Diggs side that nobody said it, he was excused. And here is part of the problem that I had in terms of the people that came to the podium and spoke from the bill's behalf. It's not because of my position or our position, but it was one of the most absurd and weak and uneducated takes as anyone, Mitch Morse, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, Von Miller to come out and stand in front of a microphone and say, well, I know the media wants to do this and drive this. And there's some inaccuracies out there that I want to clear up. As Matt said, those inaccuracies were strictly coming from the Bills organization and Sean McDermott. Tuesday during practice, as we all are out there, after Adam Schefter reports what the agent said of Stefan Diggs, that's when the Bills simply said Stefan Diggs was there Monday, he came back Tuesday, and then he left. They had an entire day to use the phrase, he was excused on Tuesday, and they didn't do it. And so to me, I'm not going to get into semantics or hypotheticals or conspiracy theories or anything. I'm going to go based off of what the organization and their PR department used as a clarification for what their head coach said. So when their head coach comes out the very next day and says he wants to clarify some misinformation, I'm not here for it. I'm sorry. And then Sean McDermott, when a reporter point blank says, well, I'm sorry, Sean, you kind of caused this. I don't want to put it on you. But when you say at 1145 that he's not there, that's what kind of caused it. And his response is, well, you've been in press conferences. You kind of know what I mean. Well, Sean, you've been in press conferences, so you know what you say is good and how it's going to be taken. So to me, I'm not here to place judgment or whatever, but this whole idea of Von Miller just spewing for seven minutes how the media is saying one thing, but he doesn't even know what they're talking about, <laughs> and Josh Allen saying that the media wants a bigger deal out of this, but your head coach, as Joe Biscaglia pointed out, said two hours earlier – that he's very concerned. This isn't adding up. And to Matt's point, if you want to keep everything behind closed doors, and I completely appreciate and respect that, you just mucked it up. You tried to toe the line, and you screwed it up. And don't pin it on the media. Just own it and say, all right, we. it was a tough situation. We kind of didn't present it the way it needed to be and it was complicated but at the end of the day we've talked it over for two three days now and we're good that's to me how it should have been handled but this narrative from the organization that we collectively in the outside world was presenting it wrong is just completely ridiculous did and sean mcdermott did not answer specifically he, he declined comment on who was involved in this meeting the message that went out from Adam Schefter, which came from Adisa Bakari, who is Stefan Diggs' agent, 
said he had met with head coach and the GM, correct? Am I right about that? That's what it said in that, in that particular tweet. Mm-hmm. When Sean talked about it, he said, we all, he used the word all, we all felt it was time to take a break and get some space. That tells me there's more than two people in that meeting, which also leads me to wonder, was it a Sean McDermott versus Stefan Diggs type of meeting? Or was Sean McDermott a mediator in a meeting? Was it a collective people that were kind of going at it? I'm still unclear on all that, to be quite honest with you, Matt. Like, I don't know anything about that. So now we talk about, the wording and the phrasing of what happened, but we still have a lot of questions surrounding the, the details of even what happened leading up to that, the clarification, the wording and then the clarification. I think the most clear like detail that we got from any party in all of this was when Josh said this was an organizational failure in terms of communication where they just weren't doing it in the right way. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that was about the quote. And to me, I think that kind of goes back to the end of the season. I've said this on my show two days in a row. I think Brandon Bean's philosophy and approach to the offseason, letting guys get away from it, things, reset, is actually really healthy. It's a good, you know, NFL seasons are a grind. They're grueling. Yeah. Like, you you want to, when you can get away from it, you need to reset, especially with how last season ended and how fiery and pissed off Stefan Diggs was in that last game on the sidelines and then running out of the, of the locker room into the tunnel, having to be brought back. I get that, but you let it cook too long. I think, and this stewed and it brewed and it got worse and it got worse. Then he shows up guys. I, I don't think we've talked enough about this, this off season, Stefan Diggs and Chad Hall were very, very close. Who knows if this what that wasn't a piece of this, and maybe he came back with a litany of things, his wanting answers for why things went the way they did at the end of last season. All right, what did you do in terms of a deep dive to figure out a way to be better next season? Um, Diggs's trainer, Myron Flowers, talked to Henry McKenna from NFL uh, on Fox, and he said. Um, the level of frustration and not knowing, I think it'd be good that Diggs is there and they open up a conversation on what the plan is. What did you guys find after evaluating last season to figure out what we need to do? What do I need to do? As in like Diggs. Flowers trained with him on Sunday and then he went to Buffalo. So I think he's still sitting there thinking like, okay, like what are we doing differently? I want to know. I want to be invested. Josh Allen mentioned Diggs is an all-in, 100% kind of guy. Once he's all the way in, it's it's golden. And I yep. think that he came back maybe wanting to feel like he can get all the way back to 100, and maybe things went off course in that meeting. All right, so this brings us back to the heart of the matter. Let's talk about that. Here is the issue I have, guys, about the, all of this that happened this week. Here we have been sitting for the last 20 minutes, 33 now on the – on the pod, whatever, but the last 15 to 20 minutes, we did, I'm on the morning show in the morning. You guys are on your podcast. You're doing all of it. Really. What we've really talked about is what happened since Tuesday to Wednesday in the communication, what Sean McDermott said that has kind of buried the lead. And although the bills might've screwed it up and the communication was wrong and it made them look bad and all of that, we still don't know what the hell Stefan Diggs is mad I about. I know. Right? Like Matt, you brought up Chad Hall. He very well could be mad about Chad Hall. Well, let me tell you something. If all this stems from the wide receivers coach leaving, I'm 
that's ridiculous to me from Stefan Diggs. This is the NFL, man. Coaches leave. And it's a business. You left a team. I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I don't know what the problem is. All I know is Josh Allen said it's non-football related. That's as close as we got. I thought Josh was very good, by the way, even though he's in a tough position up at the podium. I thought he's very good. But, John, I still don't know what Stefan Diggs was upset about. And we all know that there have been cryptic tweets and innuendos and a lot of things going back for months that he could have been upset about a lot of different things. So I'm not ready to sit here and tell you the organization made any sort of mistakes until I know what Stefan Diggs, what mistakes they think he thinks they made. Correct. And maybe the organization had the mistake in this two, three day window. This ultimately is on Stefan Diggs. And this is my thing. Whether he's ticked off about the specific Bengals game, whether he's ticked off about his up and down, inconsistent involvement in the offense during, by the way, an extended winning streak after that Minnesota game in the regular season where we've heard Stefan say in the past, well, I don't care how many catches or targets I get as long as we're winning. Whether it has to do with Chad Hall, whether it has anything to do with Ken Dorsey or Josh Allen or anything, one, get over it. Five months have transpired, and you had the opportunity if something was really bothering you and you felt face-to-face was the only way it was going to get remedied, show up. They came to work out together in the middle of April. They've had OTA since the middle of May. Show up. If it was important to you as an individual, Stefan Diggs, to remedy these issues in face-to-face communication was the best way to do that, then show up. I didn't think that it was possible for something to be so catastrophic and large to be sitting on someone's shoulders that long Mm -hmm. that it would carry over and, again, seemingly boil over even more this week I just don't know what possibly could have done it. And and just if you're focusing on the way the season ended, which we all saw Stefan storm out of the locker room and Duke Johnson bring him back in and all of that, what makes you above anyone else on that team to think that your competitive nature supersedes the feelings of anyone else that dealt through the exact same situations at the end of that season the end of that game that allows you to act that way. What makes you above Jordan Poyer who played hurt the entire season left that game with a concussion, probably thought it was the last time he'd ever play for this organization. Didn't get the deal. He thought in free agency comes back to this team and Poyer still shows up for everything. What makes you above Josh Allen, the franchise quarterback who everything falls on him who played like crap against the Bengals and then takes that. What puts it upon Ken Dorsey or Sean McDermott or any other player on that team? I think it's such a cop-out, and we've seen it prior to this situation, that Stefan Diggs gets a pass because he's super competitive, as if no one else on this team is super competitive. But that's an excuse as to why he's berating the franchise quarterback on the sideline in a game where nobody played well, get out of here. Like that's inexcusable. It's not a sufficient excuse to me to act that way. 
I'm an incredibly competitive person. I'm not saying I am ever on the platform of Stefan Diggs or whatever, but that doesn't excuse the actions just because you want to win. Everybody wants to win. And there are people that even though they may not display it exactly the same way as Stefan Diggs, they have the same fire that Stefan Diggs does to win. And maybe their timeline is not as long as Stefan Diggs in terms of understanding where their window is to win a championship as an NFL player. I just think it's a cop out. And that's where I just keep coming back to. And as you guys have said before, it's why not hearing from Stefan Diggs, not during OTAs or minicamp, but since like November of last year makes this a big problem because now we just all sit here and say, well, I don't know. We speculate. And that's what will continue to fuel this fire until we hear from Stefan. I want to move it forward and talk about what's next, but Matt, I'll give you a chance to wrap up any lingering thoughts after what John just said about how we got here. There's a lot of good stuff in there. I think one of the things that isn't talked enough about in terms of Diggs's frustration was the fact that they were riding that eight game winning streak or whatever it ended up being like you were winning, right? Josh Allen says, Winning cures everything, right? But they were winning up until that point. The only team they weren't winning against was the Bengals. And obviously there were, you know, extenuating circumstances. And, you know, I get all of that. But to me, Diggs, I think Diggs needs to take a look. He needs somebody in his life to tell him the way that things are. Because he's doing a lot of things. And he's good at a lot of things. I mean, dude's going to probably end up being the superstar, like, fashion model or, or whatever he's doing after he retires. Like, he's got a whole second career lined up. It's great. But somebody needs to tell him, like, dude, look around. Look at your boy DeAndre Hopkins, who's running around town right now trying to, like, pick in shop in a bargain basement to find his next opportunity. And he's still at least like hanging on to the prime, right? He's going to probably end up having to play with Mac Jones or Ryan Tannehill. It's not good. If you were to, to get another opportunity, you're not going to land on a team that's as good as this one with a quarterback as good as you have. It's not always greeners. Is it perfect? No, but guess what? 31 teams lose every year. Winning the Super Bowl is next to impossible. And that's why, listen, I've been critical of Sean McDermott this week. I think he deserves some of it. I think people are overly critical of McDermott for the tenure, knowing what was here for 17 years before he got here and knowing how successful they've been in these six years since he's been here. But we're starting to change now. Like it's going to get, you know, the, the expectations elevate, things get harder, the national conversation, you're part of it every day. And so it's going to get worse. And I think Diggs being the leader that he is, and I'll finish with this. What did he say last year in the beginning of the year? Playing quarterback is hard, right? I, I can't imagine how Josh does what he does. I got to be there for my quarterback. How is this you being there for your quarterback? And I'm not trying to defend Josh in some way. $258 million quarterback doesn't need me defending him. But I think if you're going to wear the C, if you're going to be the leader Sean McDermott talked about you being this week, be it. And don't just pay it lip service. Live it and do it. And you know what? Here's another thing, too. I love Sal Mayorana. He's he's cut his teeth in this business. He's taken a lot of heat this week. We're not asking for Stefan Diggs to talk to the media. 
we're asking for all the pissed off fans about this whole situation that want answers from the guy that's making $25 million to talk to us to give answers to them, not to us. That's how it works. Sorry. little side note. No, and, in there. and the reason why you're, you're bringing – just so people are aware, the reason you're bringing up Sal is he's making this point. He's made this point on Twitter. And people have attacked him for it by saying he doesn't have to talk to you. That's right, Matt. What you said is right. I've been making this point for a while. Stefan Diggs, that it would be it would be best for the Bills organization for Stefan Diggs to speak, not for Sal Capaccio, Matt Perino, John Scott, Sam Marana. Like, yeah, we're, we're gonna have the content either way. Of course, the media wants to hear from him, but it's best for the Bills organization. I think if he came out, he could do a world of good. That said, he hasn't spoken yet. Sean McDermott said it's resolved. John Scott, you agree? Is it resolved? Is this done? I mean, they could say whatever they want until I hear from Stefan Diggs. It's still a story like that's the reality. And because as we've now gone, as you said, 40 minutes and, you know, 30 of it or whatever on this topic, it's all conjecture. Like what, as you said, Sal, what are we talking about? We still do not know. And the reason that it matters is because you have to then be on the lookout for whatever the issue was, if it creeps up again. Because unfortunately for Stefan Diggs, he has a reputation. Because in Minnesota, he was a disgruntled wide receiver, even though he was a pretty good wide receiver, and wanted to be more of a focal point. And he got a reputation. I will say from my personal experience, I think Stefan Diggs is awesome. He's an awesome football player, and every interaction I've ever had with him – is completely counter to whatever reputation he had coming to Buffalo from Minnesota. He's been a great teammate. It's not just lip service from what you hear from players. I've witnessed it in the locker room. I witnessed it in the locker room, as I'm sure you guys did, in that final stretch where he's getting three catches for 30 yards, where he's getting five catches for 50 yards. Stefan Diggs was completely content during the week with his teammates and there wasn't I would have never indicated there was any sort of an issue even though he never stepped in front of a microphone now that's not something I'm going to sit there and write about or talk about on television it's just an observation to give context now six seven months later to tell you Stefan Diggs was not a problem in this locker room which is also what almost adds to the intrigue of what in God's creation could have him so ticked off that would lead us to this point right now. Jeremy White, host of the Jeremy White Show on WGR in the morning, our morning show host, I thought made such a great point when he said earlier this week, what something like this does, it confirms people's biases and emboldens their biases, which is if you already have it out for Sean McDermott and don't like him, you're going to blame all this on him. If you don't have, if you don't like Ken Doris, you have it out for him, you're going to blame all this on him. If you don't like Stefan Diggs and think he's a diva, you're going to blame all this on him. Well, None of that is fair to any of the parties until Stefan Diggs tells us what's wrong, right? And I think that's the part of the shame of it, Matt, which is until he tells us, back to your point, people are going to blame people who don't deserve to be blamed for anything they necessarily did wrong or Stefan Diggs might have not have any problem with. So on that note, also I'll ask you, do you think it's resolved? I think we could circle this around and finish here on the Diggs stuff in that does this – I don't know if it's resolved 
And I do think this potentially can continue to be a problem, not necessarily like in the locker room, because I think they, what Josh said this week is true. They're going to support him. They're going to have his back. It seems like they're going to kind of, you know, every, you know, everybody's happy enough to where he returned to the practice field, but how are they going to face the question I have is how are they going to face it when the times get tough and maybe they have a bad offensive game and things don't go his way and they didn't make the changes that he wanted, that he demanded if that ends up being what happened. Cause like you guys both said, we don't know what that's actually what happened in that conversation. I just think that this has to Diggs's point last season that I mentioned. Football is hard. Playing quarterback is hard. Receiver hard. You don't want to complicate it even more. And so I think that their mission over the next five weeks should be to get everybody to this to a healthy mind space to enter this season as a new season. Like Sean mentioned, every year is about doing it again, reshaping the team, reshaping the mindset and uh, who you are as a team. They got to come together and figure that out because, man, they are in a Super Bowl contender window. They still are. I, I'm, I'm, I've started to say this. I don't know if you guys agree with me. I think they're more of a Super Bowl contender right now, even with all of this stuff that's happened, than they were last year. Because they now back in this weird role that Sean McDermott loves, where they're everybody's counting them out, and I think that that positions them better. I think they're deeper. I think they're they're more talented. I like the changes they made in the, on offense. I'm losing my voice. It's late, but you get my point. It is. It is, and I appreciate your time, guys. So let's wrap on this. Um, we'll have plenty more to say on digs on everything that's going on as we go through the off season. I'll let you guys plug where that's going to be. But before we do that and end, give me one observation from each of you outside of Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, or any of this saga, just something that stood out to you at mini camp that maybe you'll now pay more attention to at training camp. John, I'll go with you first. I'll go from a non I chart every single play like one Matt Perino does. So I'll give him more uh, of that lane. I'm going to simply say, I did not think there was any possibility we would see Von Miller for like half Hmm. of the regular season. And as things have gone, even from the eternal optimist, most positive person, everything is roses at all times, even though if I'm on death's doorstep, Von Miller's perspective, it appears with the backing of even what we've heard from Brandon Bean, that he's more in the, you're going to see him in September and there's not, that big of a leap to think it could be in that opener against the New York Jets. And to me, that is so massive, especially when you pair it with the addition of Leonard Floyd. And now that pushes some of the other guys that maybe we would have had conversations about throughout August and early September, the Boogie Bashams, the AJ Epinesas, the Shaq Lawsons and say, well, they, the questions are more, are they even going to make the team? And now your depth on the edge as a pass rushing pass rusher is so much deeper. The first half of the season, I thought the Bills pass rush was very good. We saw it in the LA game. You saw it in some of those other games. Vaughn coming out the gate, the Kansas City game. He was a menace. He was so yep. instrumental in that victory that Vaughn Miller being there for the majority of the season, then you add in Leonard Floyd and another year with everyone else. I think that above anything else in the bills defense has and continues to be. And I think the addition of Leonard Floyd uh, cements that the most critical aspect to their success. And so Von Miller seemingly more 
on track to week one or around that was one of the biggest, most important things I gathered throughout this offseason program as we take the break. What stood out to you, Matt? I really don't think the Bills should have brought back Dane Jackson. Hmm. And let me explain why. I think with how good Christian Benford has been over the course of this offseason, the spring program, how game he was last year, you had yourself a piece of the conversation or a piece of the competition to you know push Kyrie Elam. They go out and they sign Cam Dantzler, who started a lot of games in this league. You could find players, Cam Lewis even. Listen, if he was going to be your third, fourth cornerback, I wouldn't have a huge problem with that. The guy's played NFL snaps. Dane Jackson is somebody that they're always going to be willing to default to like Levi Wallace before him. And the problem that we're, we're starting to see materialize. And I think it's a problem. Maybe the bills don't view it as a, is it a problem. Kyrie Elam has a ways to go to earn this job. Like if, if you, somebody asked me today, like, is he like the odds on favorite to be the cornerback too? No, he's not for me. He's not even close to that. Like actually, actually I would place him third right now in the race for that job. And that's a problem. And something Brandon Bean said the other day really stuck with me. It was just weird. And I don't know if you guys picked this up from when he was asked about this. It was two interviews ago. And he said, I have the quote up. He's like, listen, Kyer worked really hard in the off season, came back early as well to have himself ready. I wish I could say like, Hey, Kyer is not putting all his effort in or he's not studying. He is all in as much as anybody. That's a weird thing to say about a first round draft pick, isn't it? Like you wish you could say he's not trying. Like, is that because like you can't envision right now him being the guy there? Like, and are you going to not be willing to give him the opportunity to be the guy? That's again, that, that comes into a whole nother conversation. And Sal, you could chime in on this. Like how much should we take from these training camp and mini camp reps? I thought Kyer in games had good moments. He did. I'm very, very, I think this could, we're on our path a little bit. It feels like Cody Ford to me all over again. Ooh, um, you know, in, you know, Cody Ford was eventually traded, obviously not in the second year, but they are going to have a numbers problem at cornerback. I like both your observations there. Those are really interesting because I think this is a long play at cornerback too. Again, right. And like we've done this every year that we don't know who the starting quarterback last year. We didn't know. Until the night of, the night of the first game, we didn't know who was going to trot out there to start at cornerback. And then, obviously, it was Christian Benford. So, we'll see where it goes. Guys, I've kept you long enough. I really appreciate it. It's late on a Wednesday. And I'm sorry, late on a Thursday championship night here in downtown Buffalo. So, I'll let you plug where you can find everything. I know you got some events going on, especially I know you do, Matt. So, tell everybody what's going on. Uh, yeah, you can find everything. Uh, Shout, uh, Buffalo Football Podcast, June 23rd, live at Wingnuts. Uh, Sal has come out for a show. John has come out for a show. Heather's been out. Uh, it's a great time. We're going to get Beauvais out uh, for a show. Yeah. We'll try to get that on his calendar. We're st- we'll see. Uh, we got one every month. Uh, come out, uh, have some beers, wings, talk some bills with us. We'll do some dueling pods or something while we're out there. Yeah. That, yeah. That'll be cool. Where, where, where can everybody find you in the podcast that you just did today, John? Uh, the Buffalo End Zone podcast. You can find it uh, on Spectrum News website, spectrumlocalnews.com. And, uh, you know, I'll tweet it out at John Scott TV. And the irony of this, Sal, is this is the last plug I'm going to do because I am now, like the Bills, 
off for the next five weeks. So wow. do right, not at the very end. So as much as I want you all to follow me, it will be completely wasted because you will not get anything for me uh, until the you? bills don Pittsburgh and we all will be hanging out at the Pittsburgh pub. Can I still text you? Can we still hang out? Well, yeah. I mean, I need someone to play golf with, right? <laughs> I know. Right. I mean, it's like, guys, I'm off for five weeks. My phone is off. Do not text me. Do you guys, do you guys try to do you guys try to unplug when you're on vacation? It's hard for me. I do yeah, have to check yeah. in once in a while what's going on because I I feel like if I'm not, I'm completely lost. So we've gone to Jamaica for our honeymoon two years ago and last year for our first anniversary and put it on airplane mode. The resort has Wi-Fi, but I really like I, it was it was like as close to a disconnect as we can get. It was super nice. I, I think I told Perino, I legit think I might delete Twitter off of my personal phone for this next month just to kind of see how it goes. I know our, our Matt Fairburn, who used to be on the beat, now he's with the Sabres. He said he did something like that years ago. And I, I don't know. What am I going to miss? Like, what could possibly happen? I say that, knock on wood, but what – what could possibly happen over the next month to where like I'll have my work phone and I'll like kind of keep tabs on it, but I don't know. I, I think it'd be a good exercise because I'm probably on it. And when I'm bored, I just like, you know, mindlessly just scroll through. Like, I, I guess I think I might give it a go starting next week. Matt. What do you do? You do that? I can't do that. Yeah, no, I can't do that. he was I'm looking late. at his watch while walking in from the outfield today. <laughs> I I get I get tweet notifications. Yes, I'm like, dude. Like, if something were to happen, oh like, God, I, I gotta be ready to pivot at any moment. Like, that's just kind of part of our life. And like, yeah, it's just it's part of the routine. And I do get in in places where like I'll go longer periods without checking it. But I always got to be – and it's a little bit different. Like, you know, for the Buffalo News, um, they do a great job over there. Catherine, Jay, Mark Gaughan, Ryan. Um, they got four of them, right? So, like, if something happens, they have a sports editor. Josh Barnett does a great job over there as well. They can, He can kind of, like, send a, the bat signal up and, and somebody – it's me, really, and Ryan, right? And, yeah. and sometimes Ryan's, you know, teaching or whatever. So, I, it's just become habitual that I'm just – always plugged into it yeah i'm the same way i'm the same way for sure it's hard for me i i wish i could unplug a little bit more but i just can't do it all right we have to unplug for this episode guys thank you so much really appreciate your time john enjoy your vacation either way we're all going to see each other at st john fisher i'm sure we're all going to see each other before then and hopefully we'll see matt bove next time and it's always game day in buffalo but until we see him we'll hold the fort down here in some capacity waiting for him to return as he's enjoying life as a father Thanks for downloading iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app, and of course, on the YouTube page at Salesports.